time. Uh, so we're going to continue in our worship service this morning. Uh, before we get to the text for this morning, I want to make special mention of uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our family meeting uh, after service, and we talked about two teams that we are launching, um, the shepherding team and the diaconal team. Um, so both of these teams are to assist um, the elders and our, our deacons, deacon, uh, Chris Mack, uh, our one solitary deacon. Um, both of these teams are, are designed to assist those two groups. Uh, the shepherding team is to, designed to assist uh, the elders in shepherding the spiritual care of our congregation. Um, and so we are looking for those who would like to be a part of that team, or if you know someone that you would like to nominate to be a part of that team, uh, somebody that you believe is wise and godly and mature that can help um, care for the spiritual uh, condition of our church, um, uh, we would love to have them be a part of that shepherding team. That shepherding team um, will be made up of men and women who are uh, members here of the church and uh, are going to be caring for um, the uh, congregation. So I've received one nomination for that. Uh, for the shepherding team, you can uh, email those to me or come talk to me. I've only received one nomination for that, and we would love to have much more. Um, I also might start reaching out to some folks that I need to be a part of that team, because we definitely need some help uh, in that, and we're really excited about what this is going to do for our congregation. Um, And then for the diaconal team, this is a team that will help um, execute our mercy ministry, uh, go uh, and be a part of uh, accomplishing what our mercy ministry is doing and assisting uh, Chris with that. Um, so this is a team that would be uh, out caring for the community, uh, meeting with folks, uh, providing meals for folks, uh, doing grocery runs for folks, all sorts of, uh, Chris basically does a ton of very, very different things. And so uh, this is a great opportunity to serve if you uh, love being around people and connecting with folks, and particularly folks that are in a hard place. Um, this would be a great team to serve in. Um, there's another aspect to that team, which is caring for this building that we rent. Um, and so there are uh, coming forward a number of events that are going to be taking place uh, in this ballroom. And so when an event takes place, we kind of move our stuff out of the way and then have to reset it back up. So Chris is really needing a team to help him do that. Um, so if you like moving chairs and uh, hanging out with folks, uh, it's a great opportunity to serve. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, you can email Chris uh, at hopeformuncie.org or just talk to Chris after service and uh, if you'd like to be a part of that team or nominate someone to be a part of that team. All right, we are finishing up our little mini-series this morning. We have been in the book of Ephesians all summer long and uh, we took a little... wanted to take a little focus in a mini-series in uh, Ephesians, kind of catching folks up who were gone for the summer on where we had been in the book of Ephesians and talking specifically about our vision as a church. Uh, Each week on Sunday morning, we say that we are seeking to be a diverse people saved by Jesus, centered on Jesus, and sent by Jesus. And so we've taken a few weeks to look at what it means to be a diverse people saved by Jesus. And then last week, what it meant to be a diverse people centered on Jesus. And this morning, we're going to finish that up with what does it mean for us to be a diverse people sent by Jesus to extend the hope and fellowship of God to our city. Um, And just so you know, we're we're going to pick back up next week in where we were in the book of Ephesians. We were in Ephesians chapter 5. And so we'll finish the book of Ephesians after that. And so we'll be back in Ephesians 5 next Sunday. 
But this morning we're looking at what, is, what does it mean to be sent by Jesus? Well, uh, many years ago, before you, know, you would do all your shopping on Amazon, there was this thing, they still sort of exist, but it was called a mall. Um, and you would go and walk around the mall and, and buy stuff, right? Not just buy anything on Amazon and have it delivered to your door like in 10 minutes or whatever you can have now with a drone or uh, all sorts of things. Um, but the, at a mall, right, you would walk through and, and all of these uh, places have uh, like a display case at the front of their store. And they're going to display what it is that you're going in to buy. Everyone had that except for Abercrombie and Fitch, right? It was just a cave with some <laughs> cheap-smelling cologne coming out of it. And you're like, what is that? Do we go in there? Uh, a little scary. Um, but the display case was to display, hey, this is our best stuff. This, if you want a preview of what you're going to go buy in this store, you look at this display case. Well, what would it look like if your life had a display case? What, what do you put forward to, to be a part of uh, communicating to the world who you are? What would you put in that display case? What's most important about you as a person that you would want to communicate to others? And actually, if we were to think about that a little bit more, what would God put forward to display who he is? How is God putting forward, what's God's marketing strategy for who he is? What's he going to display to the world about who he is? Well, in our text this morning, we're going to find out that God is actually going to use you. That the church of Jesus Christ is put here to display to this city what he is like. And not actually just to this city, but to the entire cosmos. To display who God is, he's going to use you. You are this display case. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11 this morning. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. And he says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's purpose here in using the church is to display his wisdom in all its rich variety. God is going to display all of his wisdom in all of its rich variety through you, the church. Now, who does he display this to? If you go back in that passage, uh, yeah, right there. To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What does this mean? The unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Well, this uh, phrase is used kind of throughout the scriptures. Paul uses this uh, to really mean uh, all angelic and spiritual authorities. Probably 
thinking both good and bad angelic authorities, right? Angels and demons. Paul in Ephesians 6 talks about, uh, uses the same phrase. He says, uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So he talks specifically there about evil rulers and authorities, but it seems here to be the whole host of heaven. That God is going to display his wisdom to the entire host of heaven through the church, through this body. What we do here on Sunday mornings, through this church, he's going to display to all the heavenly authorities his wisdom. Now, how would he do that? How would he display that wisdom? Well, if we back up one from this, right? Paul says that God gave him the calling to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, And to explain the mystery of God. That by preaching the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles, explaining the good news of Jesus, God is going to display his rich wisdom to the entire cosmos. Remember, if if you've been with us all summer looking at the book of Ephesians, one of the main themes of the book of Ephesians is that God's salvation has come And it has come to his chosen people, the Jews, and to the Gentiles, everyone else. And that those are not now two separate groups of people that are gods, but are joined together into one body. That God is actually going to join together a diverse group of people, Jews and Gentiles together, to create a multi-ethnic family of God. And they're both going to come to the Lord through the person of Jesus by experiencing the gospel. This is why we talk about what it means for us to seek to be a diverse people. The book of Ephesians declares for us that when the gospel comes, it creates a diverse people. So if we are to be a people that is centered on Jesus, centered on the gospel, we ought to be about seeking a diverse people because the gospel does that. It's what the gospel does. It's actually what Paul describes as the mystery of God hidden for ages. Right? When Jesus comes on the scene, God is saying, I am going after every nation. Not just the Jews. I'm going after every nation. All of the diverse people I've created will be mine. And I'm going after them. And they're going to be created into this one new family. This is what God will do. He will explain or display this glorious reality. He wants to display the glorious riches of his wisdom, right? Uh, Go one more. To display his wisdom in its rich variety. Some translations use the word manifold wisdom or uh, multifaceted wisdom. The word uh, in the Greek really can mean uh, rich variety, multicolored, multifaceted. It's this glorious display of God's wisdom. It's God's diversity in unity on display. This glorious wisdom of Jew and Gentile brought together displays this glorious diversity. And it's displayed to the entire cosmos. 
The heavenly rulers and authorities are going to see God's wisdom. All earthly authorities are going to see God's wisdom. All people are going to see God's wisdom. How will he display this? How is the God of the universe going to display his wisdom? Through a glorious display of natural power? Earthquakes, lightning, fire? Through angelic beings being made visible? Right? When an angel shows up in the scriptures, people fall on their face as though dead because they are so glorious. God could make us see all the spiritual authorities at work right now and we would all fall on our faces as though dead because it'd be terrifying. Is that how he's going to display his power and his wisdom? Is he going to display it through a movie? Everyone watches movies. Let's display it through a movie. Or through a press conference. Or Twitter account. God's Twitter account. No, that's not how he's going to display his wisdom. He's going to display it through the church. Through the church. Through y'all. Right? Remember, Ephesians uses a lot of you plural, y'all. Through y'all, he's going to display his rich wisdom. It's a strange phrase to say out loud. Through y'all, he's going to display his rich wisdom. (laughs) Because y'all doesn't sound very wise. But we need a you plural, better than y'all. Uh, he's going to display his rich wisdom through you, through the church. Now, how does he do that? How does God display his rich wisdom through the church? Well, I want to focus on two ways in which God displays his rich wisdom through the church. The first is preaching the gospel to all the diverse people of the world. And the second is tangible expressions of love to all the diverse people of the world. So for us here at City Hope, we're going to focus this on City Hope. We want to be sent by Jesus to extend the hope and fellowship of God to our city. How do we want to do that? By preaching the gospel to all the diverse people of our city and by tangible expressions of love to all the diverse people of our city. So preaching the gospel to all the diverse people of our city. Paul starts this, phrase, this section by saying, I was called by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to explain to them the mysteries of Christ. I was called by God to go and to take the gospel to the world. Now, Paul has a unique calling, for sure. And some folks are called by God specifically to be in ordained ministry positions to preach the gospel, like I am. Right? That is true. That happens. And yet we should not take from that that the only way in which God is going to accomplish this is by me standing up here and preaching on Sunday mornings. If that's our strategy to display the wisdom of God, we're not going to display it to all the rich diversity of our city. We are actually all called to take that message of the gospel to every sphere of our lives. To proclaim the gospel to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers, to all of the spheres of influence that we have to build relationships with folks to preach the gospel to them. 
Some are called to preach in this context on Sunday mornings, but all are called to preach in the context of their lives. Well, what does Paul say here that he actually does preach? It's really interesting. Normally, when Paul talks about preaching the gospel, he just uses that phrase, preaching the gospel. But in this, he says, uh, go, go back one more. Sorry, Kevin, you're getting, getting a good, getting your pay today, right? Back and forth a lot. That's a, it's a volunteer position. We're, uh, I was chosen to explain to everyone this. Oh, sorry. Back up one. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. The endless treasures available to them in Christ. One Bible dictionary defines this Greek word, uh, the endless treasures, uh, this word as impossible to understand, unfathomable, impossible to comprehend. Unable to understand. And what's the next word? Riches. Riches so great that they are unknowable. Impossible to fully comprehend. That is what is available to those who hear the gospel. Those who hear the good news of Jesus What's available to them is the endless treasures of Christ. Preach the gospel. What it means to preach Jesus is to preach about the endless treasures that are available to you in Jesus. That's what it means. So if we are to go to be sent by God to display his wisdom... We ought to be speaking about the endless treasures of Jesus. That's what we ought to be known for. We ought to be known for telling people all about the good news that is available to them in Jesus. Now, certainly that doesn't mean that we don't talk about sin. Certainly part of the endless treasures of Jesus are God's mercy to us and Talking about God's mercy means that we need to talk about our sin because mercy necessitates that there's a a, a fix to our sin. So certainly we're going to talk about God's law and our sin. Absolutely. But are we going to be known for that? Are we going to be primarily known for talking about the bad news? Or primarily known for talking about the good news? The endless treasures that are available to those who come to know Jesus. The unsearchable riches of Jesus. Well, Paul has been talking about them throughout the book of Ephesians. He's talked about the love of God. The love of God. That you are so loved. So loved that God, in your rebellion, would send his very own son to save you. So loved that before the foundations of the world, God set his heart upon you. Before creating anything, he said, these are my people and I love them. He set his affection upon you. This world will beat you up. This world is broken. It is difficult. So many people in our city 
walk around every day feeling completely unloved. Feeling as though they don't deserve anyone's love. Feeling as though they should be discarded from the world. And even those who look like they have it all together, when they're really honest with themselves, feel unloved. All of us, from time to time, feel unloved. Because this world is not the way it ought to be. And we get to go and to tell people there's a place of love so great that you can't even understand it. Of knowing that the God of the universe who flung the stars into their place and knows them by name adores you. That the Father delights to sing over you, his children. This is the unsearchable treasures that are found in Jesus that we get to share. The wisdom of God. Paul speaks of the wisdom of God. It is not, God does not come and give us this glorious display to only the smartest people. He comes and confounds the wisdom of this world with the very simple truth of the gospel. It's the profound wisdom of God. God comes in the midst of a world completely divided and says, I can offer a place of reconciliation where Jew and Gentile can come together, where those who are divided can be united around Jesus. And I offer you a way of life, a way for you to follow in which you can thrive because you're following the way in which you were designed to live. Because the Creator is going to tell you how that goes. The wisdom of God is available to us in the Gospel. The glory of God. The glory of God. All the angelic beings we talked about earlier, who God is going to display His wisdom to through the church, they are glorious. And they are not even close to glorious enough to look upon God. In the throne room, depictions we get in Scripture, right? The angels have six wings, two to fly, two to cover their feet, and two to cover their eyes because they can't look upon the Lord because He's too holy. Angels cannot look upon the Lord because He he is too holy. And yet the promise of the Gospel is those who are pure in heart, redeemed by Jesus to be made pure in heart, get to see God. The promise of the gospel is that we get to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as we understand the gospel. That's a unique thing that is given only to us. No other creature is promised to see God's face but us. That's what you get in the glorious good news of the gospel. That one day you will see God. We get the grace and the mercy of God. We who are loved by God in spite of who we are as rebels get His grace. That God knows everything about you and yet He says, You can be mine. I'm going to take your sin, 
Your rebellion in thought, word, and deed against my law. Doing what I tell you not to do and not doing what I tell you to do. And all of that is going to be placed on my son Jesus. And he will bear my wrath for it. And you get forgiveness. There can be no greater news. This is glorious. Because it gives us freedom from sin. It gives us a clear conscience. It gives us forgiveness. And ultimately, it gives us a place in God's presence. That God's grace and mercy is so important because it's the way in which He can bring us close. Us who are not holy, He makes holy so that He can bring us close. We get the beauty of God. Think about the most glorious thing you've ever seen in all of creation. God designed that, created it to display his beauty. And yet, he, as the creator, is far greater. Imagine the new heavens, new earth, in which we will go and live on a physical new heavens, new earth, without sin, without decay. The glorious beauty of this creation, redeemed and made far better. No sin, no death, no decay. That's good news. That's good news that is given to those in Christ. We get to go and tell other people about that. It's glorious. The creativity of God. One of the things that is glorious about being, uh, uh, seeking to be a diverse people as a church is God has created in his glory diverse people. You are never going to meet a person who is boring because they're made in God's image. And if you meet a diverse group of people, you meet God's rich and glorious variety. It's incredible. We get that in the gospel. We get Welcome into a diverse family in which you get to see God's creativity on display. We get the power of God. The power of God on display in the gospel. God shows his strength in that in his weakest moment, he crushes his enemy. In his weakest moment, when Jesus is on the cross, the weakest moments... He disarms Satan and all the authorities of darkness. He wins in his weakest moment. That's how he displays his glorious power. Imagine his glorious strength, which certainly is on display a couple of days later when he rises from the dead. We get to preach this good news to the diverse people of our city. To the diverse people of our city, we get to preach this good news. Remember, in this context of Ephesians, God's wisdom in his rich variety refers to the mysterious plan of God, which refers to Jew and Gentile coming together. The church, in order to display the wisdom of God in all its rich variety, must be seeking to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural expression of the rich diversity of all made in God's image. That's what displays the rich variety of God's wisdom. 
Right? We've talked about this before. When, when Paul uses body imagery, he certainly means diversity of gifts, spiritual gifts. But he also means diversity of people because he uses that in every spot that he uses that body imagery. So if we all are from the same culture, look alike, talk alike, act alike, we're like a bunch of one body part as a body. That doesn't work very well, does it? Right? We need the rich variety of God's kingdom. Rich variety of God's body. This displays to all the authorities in the whole heavenly realm that Jesus is king and God is at work. Imagine it. In our specific moment in this city, in this time, in a time when you ask anyone, we are divided. Divided by all number of things. What would display the wisdom of God to this city? But a diverse group of people gathered together, united around Jesus. In spite of differences, in spite of culture, celebrated together as those made in God's image, loved fully by God, and united together around the person of Jesus. This would display God's glorious reality. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's going to take proximity to those who are not like you. It's going to take being in uncomfortable situations to go meet people who are not like you. It's going to take friendship with people who don't know Jesus. It's going to take being a good neighbor. It's going to take showing up. And every opportunity that you find yourself in Every person that you meet is not simply someone that is in your way because you're going to accomplish something, but someone made in God's image who is capable of redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ. Capable of coming into this place to be your brother or sister in Christ. To seeing people that way. To getting to know people. To love people. To be their friend. This world desperately needs people who will just be good friends to people. Right? It feels like the the reality for being a Christian and getting an opportunity to share the gospel is kind of easy these days. Like, just don't be a nasty person. (laughs) Because there's a ton of really big conflicts around us. And so if you show up and you are simply kind to someone, they will listen to you. Because people are not kind to each other. If you love someone and care for them and ask them about their life, how often do you go somewhere and someone asks you a deep question about your life? Hardly ever. We don't talk about deep things. But you know the unsearchable riches of God in Jesus Christ. You can talk about deep things. You can build deep friendships and get an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. So one way we display this is by preaching the gospel. The second is by tangible expressions of love to all the diverse people of our city. I think I have this scripture up here, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. At the end of 
at the end of uh, Paul describing the good news of the gospel, the end of describing all of these things about being saved by God's grace, he says this, that we are actually God's masterpiece created in him to do good works. Now, Paul has made it very clear, you doing good things, doing good works, will not save you. You cannot save yourself. There's no possibility. You can't be righteous enough. God's way too righteous. You can't be righteous enough. You are going to fail in doing good things for God. 100%. So that's not how you get made right with God. It's only through the mercy of God displayed in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that good works are not important. It doesn't mean that loving your neighbor actively is not a good thing. It just means it comes on the back end of salvation, not on the front end. God saves you first, and then he saves you and equips you with his spirit so that you would live out his mission, so that you would live out his kingdom, so that you would do good works. Part of the way in which we display God is by love of neighbor, by acts of mercy and justice and care for everyone. Display to everyone through tangible expressions of love the hope and fellowship of God. Right? To make known who God is by displaying it in real, practical, tangible ways of love. Certainly, we want to tell people about the good news of Jesus, but we also want to show people the fruit of the good news of Jesus by loving each other, like we talked about last week, right? Being a community, and by loving our neighbors and our enemies, all the diverse people of our city. If you have experienced the unsearchable riches of Jesus in the gospel, it should transform everything about how you interact with others. If you are loved by God, and you know you are loved by God, it should transform everything about how you interact with other people. If we were to go and poll everyone on the street about what Christians display, what they're known for, what would it be? What about, not just Christians in general, what about City Hope? What do we display? What are we known for? Do we display the gentleness of God? Do we display the fellowship that God offers to us? Do we display the mercy of God? Do we display the justice of God? Do we display the love of God? When people experience you, when people experience us, what impression are they left with? And are we displaying the manifold wisdom of God through good works? Through tangible expressions of God's love? Through knowing that if I am promised a place in the new heavens, new earth, my material things here are not of great value to me, and so I can use them to meet the needs of others. Do we display that because God has been merciful to me, I'm going to be merciful to those who seek my harm? Do we display that because I have been saved by grace, not by my own work, I'm going to be humble, admit that I could be wrong, show up and listen? 
Are we going to display those things, intangible expressions of love and hospitality? The early church grew because of this glorious message of the gospel that Jesus rose from the dead. And also, it grew because people were cared for in very practical ways and loved, especially those on the margins of society. They were cared for in ways that no one else did. Are we known for that? That will display the manifold wisdom of God. Maybe, listening to all this, you feel like, okay, that sounds good. But Pastor Josh, you just don't know. That sounds easy, and that sounds easy for you, but you don't know how unworthy I am to display God's glory. You don't know me. You don't know my secret sins. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know my past. You don't know what I did last night. Paul starts this section, Ephesians 3.8. He starts this section by saying, I think I have it up there, right? Nope, yep. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people. Remember when we went through the book of Acts, we often forget the Apostle Paul's story. Paul was not on board with this Christian thing in the beginning, right? Paul was persecuting the church. He was on his way delivering letters to gather up Christians to have them arrested or killed. He stood giving approval as people laid down their coats to stone Stephen. Paul was an enemy of God, an enemy of the cross, an enemy of Christians, hated his neighbors, and God said, you will display the manifold wisdom of God. Though I am the least deserving, God gave me this. Being sent by Jesus is not about being the best Christian. That Jesus only sends out his best qualified folks. No, it's not about being qualified. It's about being called. It's about Jesus calling you to himself and then saying, I will use you in your brokenness, in your weakness, to display who I am. If you know Jesus, you are called and sent by him to display his wisdom. It's not about you and your gifting. It's not about you and your worthiness. It's about Jesus and his glory. He will use you. It's about being called to salvation by the grace of Jesus Christ. And being called to mission by the grace of Jesus Christ. You did not call yourself, but Jesus said, you will be mine. I love you. And I now send you to display who I am to the world. Because I love you, and I love everyone in this city, and I want them to know me. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. 
And Lord, we admit that we often feel like we are the least deserving. That we are not worthy of your call, even for us to be believers, let alone to be sent to display your glory. And yet, Lord, you have done so. So God, I pray that you would that you would meet us, that you would remind us of your love, and that you would send us to make your love known in this world. Jesus, would you gain all glory and honor as we do so? In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we respond and sing um, about what...